everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Green Room Podcast with Neil Griffiths on the Handshake Media Network. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you're having a great time given the pandemic. Hope you're staying inside, especially if you're in Victoria. Uh, to help you ease the pain, my guest this week is a legend, a Grammy award-winning producer, songwriter, hip-hop artist, Mike Shinoda, of course, of Linkin Park. If you've been following him on social media, you'll know he has a, a Twitch account where he has been basically making new music live with fans. Um, yeah, literally that. Uh, working on melody, songs, lyrics, everything. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. The ones that are good have been made into two EPs. They're called Drop Frames Volume 1 and 2, which came out in July. Um, so Mike joined me from his home studio in LA to talk all about that. His relationship with fans on Twitch, especially when you're making music with fans. Um, we talked a bit about uh, some of his collaborations throughout the years, of course, with Jay-Z on the Collision Course EP in 2004. Um, Linkin Park, the 20th anniversary of Hybrid Theory, which comes out on October 9, I believe. Um, a really, really interesting chat with one of the nicest people we've had on this show. Here's my chat with Mike Shinoda on The Green Room. All right, Mr. Mike Shinoda, welcome to the green room. I know we have an album to promote, but obviously the real reason you're on the podcast today is to show the world your fancy new blinds in your home studio. I'll, I'll let you do the intro, sir. Yeah, this is the world premiere of the new drapery, as they say. <laughs> very, co- um, very controversial on my Twitch channel. The, the addition of this curtain behind me was very controversial. I mentioned it this week. Because I was like, yeah, you know, it's the, it's a studio, so um, I do. This is the this is the control room. This is where you listen back to things you've made, and it can't be too, uh, for lack of a better word, echoey. It can't be too like boomy in the room, or else it it affects how you think you hear the sound. So I had to put in this curtain to deaden the sound, and the thing is on my channel. I'm live on Twitch from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, L.A. time, Pacific time. And um, on some of those days, there are gardeners and, like, there are people walking by. And <laughs> where the, the, you know, they see, like, the green back there. So they even, the fans have even had me make um, their little, like, emojis, little emotes on the channel. And... Um, I make my, I draw my own emotes and, and we drew a gardener emote, um, which they, whenever they see a gardener, they spam the gardener emote. And they're like, what? So now we don't get to use a gardener emote? Like, what? <laughs> you got the, you got, you're going to put the curtain up, like, goodbye gardeners. Channel's ruined. <laughs> Is everyone just like, you're like, hey guys, got a new song. Everyone's like, fuck that. Get back to the blinds. Let's talk about the curtain. Yeah, that's that's all it is. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we are a, a specifically we're a curtain and blind podcast, but we've been told we have to talk about the music only this time around. So yeah, um, let's talk just to, just, to, just to change things up. Yeah, like it's, I, it's I'm out of my comfort zone now. All I know is curtains. But your new album, Drop Frames, uh, this is an experience for many reasons. For those who aren't aware, obviously, you have made this album completely from scratch on Twitch. Um, tell us a bit about that for people who might not be aware what a Twitch is. So I have, I, I, I knew, I've known about Twitch for, you know, for a few years and I, it's, it's primarily known as a gamers platform for, you know, people who stream video games and things like that. Um, most of the people on the platform stream games and then well, I should say most of the people on the platform watch people stream games and they watch, you know, um, esports and stuff like that. If you're not doing that, um, there's some art on the platform. And then for the small faction of people that do music, it's usually things like DJing or maybe like covers, uh, stuff like that. There are a handful of musicians on the platform that make music live. And um, when I when quarantine started here in LA, um, I was, I started just kind of live streaming on various platforms just to kind of, I think the reason I'd started was because I was, when, when, when quarantine started, I realized, Oh God, this is like, this is going to really feel isolated, you know? And I was starting to feel a sense of like loss of community. 
Um, so I popped on the, you know, my phone, I put one on live on a couple of things and it felt like, Oh, there's my people, there's my community. Um, and the other part of it that felt like I, it was a need for me was to have something that I did that was like a regular thing to anchor my day. So I, I started setting it up at a certain time and I would go live and I'd, I'd make stuff. And I realized that on Twitch, there aren't that many people with my skill set. There aren't that many people that do what I do. And my viewers came to watch because it's completely um, like it, it's a, it's, I, I, I don't know if the, tr the, the, the stream is going to be successful. I make a new thing from scratch every day. So I might make a song. I might make a drawing or a series of drawings. I might do some other stuff. And sometimes those things go really well. And sometimes it's utter garbage. <laughs> and the fans, and we all laugh about it. But it's, it's that, that, you know, the unknown is part of what makes it fun. And the fact that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, these are all things that I do professionally. So... Um, I can also share like tips and tricks and, and show people how I do it, which is fun for people, whether they know much about mu music making or not. For, I have people in the chat who are, you know, young teen to almost 70 years old. And uh, one of the people in the chat is like 67 years old. And people who are professional musicians, people who are aspiring musicians, people who have no idea about music, they just like to listen and watch. So I, I know this having watched your Twitch, as I promise I haven't been in your house before, but I know that it's somewhere in there, there is a fun fishbowl full of different artists and bands and you will get these challenges to mash these things together. Yeah. How often do you look at these mashups and go, fuck that, there is no, no way this is going to work? Almost every time. <laughs> and and um, we call that the bowl of destiny. Yeah. Bull of Destiny yeah. is a, is a, I, what, I, what I did, here's, here's how it works. So one thing that makes Twitch unique is um, when you watch, you're not just watching like you watch TV. Like you, that, that, in that case, you, it's very passive. Twitch is actually very active. So you sit in the chat and you, there's a lot of, there's always chatter going on. I'm sometimes not even paying attention to the chat and the chat is entertaining itself. Like the people are making jokes, they're making fun of things. I'm doing something stupid that I don't even know I'm doing. Um, they're making fun of the song. They're saying they love the song. They're saying they hate the song, whatever. Being there and participating, you get loyalty points. And on my channel, they're called Shinoda Bucks. So the loyalty points, when you build up enough points, you can spend them in my online store on Twitch. And it's actually Streamlabs, uh, which is it's the, the software that I use to stream on Twitch. Um, long story short, you go into the store and you take your points and you redeem them for something. You can redeem them to suggest a song style for me to tackle, uh, an art theme for me to draw, uh, and a number of other things. You can actually add a GIF to my store so that you can, like, you'll choose a GIF, put it in the store, and then other fans can, like, activate that GIF and it pops up on screen while I'm doing stuff. So we have these ridiculous GIFs of, like, me doing other stupid stuff and there's one of an otter, strangely. Um, but you asked about the, about the song uh, thing. So but the Bowl of Destiny is this little thing right here. See, I knew it and, arrived. And, and yeah, yeah. It, it, the, the fans, so if you were to, you know, um, suggest a challenge for me, what would you suggest? Like throw out any theme or any type of music. Okay, in the theme of Glee. In the theme of Glee. Yeah. That on its own would be... Would be I, nobody suggested that yet. You should be, you should be, I should give you a bunch of points so you can suggest that. Um, <laughs> so here's what would happen. I'd take that and I'd write it on one of these post-its and I'd put it here in the bowl and it would get mashed up with, here's what I would have to mash up Glee with. Um, a song in the style of the band Gorillaz. Uh, a song in the style of the band, uh, or, or the artist Robert Johnson slash Delta Blues. So the Delta Blues style. And this last one that's stuck to this is Motown. So I'd have to do a Glee, Gorillas, Motown, Delta Blues song. And that would be a, that'd be a Monday. That just seems unfair. <laughs> it's pretty, it's daunting. Most of the time it's pretty daunting. Um, I did this, today's was stupid. Today's was like the easiest thing in the world. It was In the End by Linkin Park, mashed up Who's with Evanescence. Mashed up. It's this, they're awful. I mean, please don't, ever, <laughs> don't Google them. They're, you don't want to know. Um, mashed up with this band, Evanescence, 
which is like a next door neighbor. So those two things weren't hard to do. But the third thing I had to mash it up with was Christmas music. <laughs> do, you so have I had the, to do, do you have it the there? Goth, do you, like, do you save these files metal. or is it just like one and done? I had to do a goth new metal Christmas song, which I did on the, on the channel today. What's it called? Uh, I didn't have a name. I don't, I don't think I named it. <laughs> Some of them I do name. I didn't name, I don't name them all though. Well, I mean, you, you were said before that the, um, the reason you came to Twitch in the first place was because of what was going on with COVID and lockdown. Yeah. Um, take me back to what, early March, what was your 2020 looking like before the world stopped? Were you going to be recording? Were you going to be touring? What were you going to be doing before this all kicked yeah. off? It was all, it was mostly studio stuff. So I was, I was writing random things uh, in this whole, it's actually for me, I'm one of the lucky ones because I, I didn't have a big plan that got screwed up by COVID. Um, like I was already in this period of like research and development of various, like, I didn't, I don't know. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm obviously like, and that's part of the journey. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I do feel like for the record too, I do feel really bad for all of the touring musicians and the road crews and the folks who were planning to be on the road. It's really, um, it's been devastating. You think of it as like, oh, it's the touring industry. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that, you know, uh, uh, Justin Bieber doesn't get, get to collect millions of dollars touring. It's like, no, like think about the guy that, that, the carpenter on that tour, the guy who rigs the stage, who hangs the lights, you know, those people, for every one of that artist that you're thinking of, there are a hundred, maybe a thousand of those other folks. And they're, they're not working. They can't do anything. To put so, that in context, they, yeah. to put that in context, like say a massive Lincoln Park tour, do you, can you estimate how many crew you guys would have on the road with you? Say a giant North American tour. So a, a North American uh, headline tour, mm. we could have anywhere between 30 and 100 people, right. depending on the, the type of tour and the scale of the thing. So if it was like, we used to do this festival called, um, we had our own festival called Project Revolution. Project Rev would have that many people. There'd be mul multiple semis. There was two stages of bands, um, as opposed to like, a, a smaller headline tour where we also play festivals. Uh, we don't have to carry as much stuff. So, but yeah, like sure. in any case, like even, you know, if you, if your favorite band, if you go on their Instagram and they have, uh, you know, 300,000 followers, um, they, that's, that position is, they are hurting for like to stay afloat as a group at that mm -hmm. point. And not to mention all the people that, that work with them. So there's actually, I, I think, um, I was just, I was thinking of like, I think one of my, one of my crew, one of the, the folks from my crew um, who does lights for, for my shows, she posted, I just want to pull it up here. Let me see if I can pull it up. Oh God, is this her thing? Man, I can't find it. There, there. Look, keep, stay on the lookout online and on social media for various um, fundraisers and awareness uh, for the, the the live events industry. Um, and I, I, I implore anybody who finds a way to give to those folks, um, please do. I am currently looking for a way to to raise more awareness for them. Yeah. I mean, it, it is pretty interesting, especially like this podcast itself. Usually I do it face-to-face. -face. Zoom, we didn't really use Zoom at all for these international um, episodes, mm. but it's been happening a lot. And like in the last couple of months, like I've had Ollie on from Bring Me Horizon or Maddie from 1975. And they're telling these stories, like those two bands in particular were meant to be on very busy touring 2020s. And now instead, because of being forced to be in lockdown, they're writing music, not necessarily because they plan to, uh, because what the fuck else are they going to do? Right. So it's really yeah. interesting. Like that's making the most of this time and you've created an album and what your first instrumental project, it's taken a global pandemic for you to, to get to this point. Does it surprise you that that's, that's what it takes to really sit down and just write whatever you want to write? 
No, I, 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 like I said before, like the, the writing this stuff, the way I'm writing it and, and, and doing these live streams, um, it's really like part of be, it's, it's all about being part of a community with the fans. Like I've joked on the, on the Twitch channel many times, like, you know, I can't wait to get that billboard number one off of this <laughs> instrumental record that I, that you guys have all heard already. Like it's, there's a, <laughs> I, every time I do an art stream, I put on a playlist of stuff that I've already made on the channel. Like the fans have heard these songs, you know, dozens of times before they ever came out. Um, those, these are not albums with a capital A for me. They're just things that I'm making available for the fans. And, and I do hope they listen to them. I want, you know, if you're cooking in the kitchen and you're getting ready for dinner, if you're studying now back in school, put it on, put on drop frames, please. But the, the point of it is not, the kind of capital A album that, you know, people are used to hearing from me and from other people. For me, it's much more about the Twitch stream than it is the album. Like I want people, I do want people to come check the, the stream out because we have a ton of fun in there and it's, it's a really, it's a really enjoyable experience. I actually, one of the things fans can redeem their, their points for is uh, to ask a question. And I spend time at the end of each, episode answering all the questions and stuff and screwing around with people in the chat and you know a quarter of the time maybe a third of the time uh it's not even a question they don't even submit a question they just submit a thing that says thank you so much for doing this like this is what i'm going through and like the stream is like you know keeping me sane in these times um i get that so often that it made me at one point it made me worried for the fans for the people i'm like are you guys all in really like are you in trouble there's like i get this so often like thank you for doing this you're like saving me during this time um that i actually started to worry but they i think that's a, you know it's a it's a it's a um I, they told me i don't have to worry about them but they certainly are feeling like the the having community this way is a very rewarding um experience this project that you're doing is this very specific to the global situation right now or is this you know using twitch live streaming recording music collaborating with fans or whoever is this something that you think could work post-covid i probably will keep doing it yeah i don't know if i will do it as frequently um it depends on what comes next um i'm like i think i said i'm i'm in a bit of a research and development phase and i'm i'm figuring out like what I want to do and uh, where to go, which is a nice, it's a nice place to be. It's a nice feeling, you know, it's, it's, um, I've learned a lot over the years about how to make songs and produce them and record them and write them and the different ways that different people work um, and how to facilitate like, like, you know, how to, I'm I'm finally in a place where it's like, oh, I could mentor somebody or I could I could work with an artist who in their arsenal, they they check, you know, eight out of 10 boxes. But those last two boxes, I can check for them and I can help them out. Um, so it's an interesting. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I don't know what comes next. Um, I'm. I'm happy to to figure that out live on on a live stream like it's that doesn't scare me so um you know what's interesting about that too is that you do when when you start to stream if you if you're online in that way um at first i was i i mean you asked me about this like if you had asked me are you gonna would you ever live stream on twitch or whatever mm. uh, regularly i'd be like oh hell no like no way because it's so invasive like it's so like you've got to put you're going to put so much of yourself out there um you know it's like you're giving you're giving people room to like make uh for you to do something stupid and it becomes a meme for you to say something stupid and offend people accidentally and then you've got to apologize and you're back it's like all that and you're dealing with cancel culture and all this nonsense, right? Like the more you're on, the more of a target you are. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, no, I would never do that. And as it turns out with this, 
I just, I think I just got like, um, I just got used to the idea and I, and maybe it's because I'm in my forties and like, you know, if you're like 13, if you're like, if you're 16 today, you're not really scared of all that stuff being out there. Like you're, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we all make mistakes. Like we all do dumb stuff and we all have the capability to change. We can all change our minds. Like you can literally be like, you could say something that's horribly like racist or like do something bad to somebody else and be like, okay, that was a huge mistake. And other young people, I feel like will, they'll like really tear you down for it. And then they're also like, yeah, but we all screw up. So there's that, right? Older people are not used to that. Older people are very hesitant or they're reluctant to change. So yeah. I kind of had yeah. to get, I had to get my head around a younger way of thinking in a sense to do it. The Kanja culture has like a, a very much a one strike policy. It's ridiculous. I think that's terrible. Mm. You know, you know, what's really sad and it, it applies to entertainment. It applies to politics. It applies to anybody who's got a, a, a following. Mm. Um, with, and, 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 and in relation to cancel culture, we have, this, we have this weird double standard or something, I don't know what to call it, where we, we want people to do the right thing, in quotes, whatever that is, to be good and do the right thing. And yet, if somebody, said, if somebody makes a mistake, we destroy them for it. If somebody changes their mind, we actually get mad at them. Like, think of it this way. Have you ever heard a politician say something in 2020 and then a whole legion of people jump up and they go, wait a minute. In 2007, you yeah. said the opposite. You yeah. said the opposite. And they're like, they're in the, in the United States, they go, that person is a flip-flopper. That yeah. person has no backbone. They don't stick to what they say. If I can't learn and grow, if I can't say something one day and learn and grow and go, you know what? Like, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I learned some things between now and the time when I said whatever. And I, I now changed my mind because I met somebody who changed my mind. I had an experience to change my mind. Um, I think that's, that's emotional intelligence. Like, being able to learn and grow is emotionally intelligent. So, punishing somebody for, for doing that is like, it's insane. And that's, that's like a derivative, I think, of cancel culture that really bothers me. It's not exactly cancel culture, but it is a thing that happens that bothers me. Or like the idea of this is what is right and this is what is good. And if you do not agree with this, you're part of the problem. That's what drives me crazy. If you have differing mm -hmm. views, even if it's not to the opposite extreme, just slightly different, it's you're a bigot, you're a racist, whatever it may be, whatever you're discussing, mm. that's the part that drives me crazy that's it's a tough it's super tough because you you like it, it sometimes people have a god it's hard to talk about this without talking about specifics and i also don't want to get into other people's business you know what i'm saying like well, like the thing that cross podcast will be released and then your next twitch session everyone's saying fuck you should <laughs> No, no, this is, I mean, to me, okay, so here, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say, Retract I'm going to say, it. <laughs> I'm going to say, it. no, 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 I'm going to say it and then I'm going to, um, I'm going to preface it by saying that I'm not going to get my hands dirty in this topic. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to say there is a topic, okay? I'll pivot as soon as you finish the sentence. Dude. <laughs> um, 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 why am I blanking? Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, what's her name? The author. Uh, Emma Watson. Thank no, not that. Not Hermione. Um, the, you um, said her. Who else is there? The author, J.K. Rowling. Oh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So J.K. Rowling. Let's use J.K. Rowling as an example. J.K. Rowling says some things. The LGBTQ plus community says whoa how dare you she double jk rowling doubles down she goes no you don't understand what i'm saying what i'm you know her thing is like um she says some things about being a woman and she makes some snarky remark about a, 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 a piece she read online 
LGBTQ plus community says, how dare you? You're minimizing and um, you're, 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 you know, being bad to our community. She says, you don't understand me. You don't know what you're talking about. I am saying that the experience of being a woman is specific. And so I stand by what I said. And they say, you're disregarding what we're saying. And so they are in a complete standoff with no end in sight. Neither side is going to capitulate or apologize because they, 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 under, they understand their side. And in my estimation, when I'm reading it, I read the back and forth on it. And I was just like, is it me or is neither side listening the other side? They're not, they're really not. She's certainly not listening because she's not acknowledging yeah. what they're saying. And they're not acknowledging what she's saying. There's, I mean, part of it is like, they're also not a woman who's a woman who's still a woman who only wants to be a woman. And that's their singular topic of conversation in this specific or their singular point of view in this specific conversation. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know that yes, thread yes, of, yes, yes. yeah, that story? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a, that's, yeah, yeah, I mean, when you're online a lot, when you're on streaming, you're on social media, blah, 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 you're opening yourself up to the possibility of those conversations. And I know from being in some of that situation since, you know, I, for more than half my life now, um, that it, in the early days of my career, that was terrifying. And those, those you know, all of those platforms didn't exist when I started. Like they've all, they've all come into existence since then. When we started our band, like there wasn't even barely a Google. That's how long ago Linkin Park started. Mm. It's crazy. We, we, we recorded our first demos on cassette. So we're stupid old. <laughs> and with that comes a little bit of perspective and a little bit of like oh okay wait hold on like i i i've seen a lot of stuff and i and i know that i don't know a lot of stuff there's so much out there i don't know and so like listening being a part of the thing the conversation when it's happening on online um i do think however that seeing a face like talking to somebody hearing a voice seeing a face that does help. Like we all know that there's a big difference between texting somebody something and how easily that could get misconstrued versus like you're seeing someone talk to you. Yeah. If I say uh, right now to you, Mike, be careful with what you say next, you know, there's some context. If I tweak that to you, that's a threat. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> if you write it, if you write it in all lowercase with no punctuation, dot, I'm dot, sitting dot. there like, how does he mean that? Like there's <laughs> I have no idea how you mean it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so so you know what I will say though is one thing that I do love about Twitch, about the 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 thing that I'm I I decided to do is one of the things that drew me to that specific platform. There are two things. One of them is very simple, it's sound quality. The sound quality there was better than some of the other platforms when I was streaming. So since I'm streaming music, it matters. Um but the other thing was very important was that it's it there's like a little barrier to entry for a fan to show up because there's a lot of like inside jokes and almost like code that you have to know to, to participate in the chat have you ever been on there no so, Wait, so what do you, certain what do you do? so certain key phrases are how you activate certain um activities so let's right. say Let's say I enable, so I told you there's loyalty points on the channel. Yeah. Let's say I enable gambling on the channel tomorrow. I go, okay, today's going to be a gambling day. Um, I'm going to ask <laughs> questions. Yeah, no, I turn it on. I, here's, I, 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 I can turn it on and I say, okay, here's a poll or a question or here's a, um, today is this, am I going to love or hate the thing we make? Right. Um, wager, wager your points. Is today going to be a winner or a loser? And some and people, the fans could, could wager their, their, their loyalty points, their Shinoda bucks and double them or lose them. And in order to do that, you have to type, I think it's exclamation point 
gamble, space, number. It's code. You literally have to type code. So if you don't know that going in, you show up for the first time, you see people doing that. You're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what, what, this is weird. And they're now they're talking about like inside jokes and gambling thing. And I, and then you leave. What that does though, is it keeps the people, if the, anybody who's willing to take one step of effort to be part of the community, it's super rewarding for them because the person, the next person that comes in that goes like, oh, this is complicated. Like, it's kind of weird. Can somebody help me? Then the person who's already there is like, dude, I got you. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm the expert. You're the novice. Like, let me help this noob out and figure, you know, they'll get brought in. They're going to get initiated into the whole thing. I like that. Like when I'm, when you think of that traditional sense of Twitch, it's most people and especially younger people. It's like, watch me play Red Dead. I'm not a fan of yeah. that. But people like yourself who make music, yeah. Mark Hoppus, like he, he plays games, but he essentially treats that like a, a Blink-182 Q&A. But then when I was yeah. watching your Twitches and thinking back to like forward thinking, like what are you doing, especially during lockdown? How do you make music? How do you connect with fans? Going back to 2004 and you make Linkin Park make an entire EP with one of the biggest rappers of all time. In what was it? You, you recorded that in three days? That seems pretty forward thinking in 2004. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I, there are so many other things that are less well-known than that, that, that are, that are like stepping stones to this event. Like I, we, at one point we did um, a, before we released a song, we released like, pieces of audio from the song so we didn't release like remix stems we just released little bits and clips and we gave them to the fans and said do something with these figure these out Wait, when make you your own did, do you mean do you mean lincoln park did or you lincoln lincoln park, park, we were yeah. re releasing the catalyst on yeah. thousand suns i think it was we gave them pieces of it and we said here's some pieces use these make a song I called it a premix. Mm. So it's, it, it came before, they had never heard this song before. The song was done and mixed and ready to come out. But we gave them pieces of it and we said, you make something out of these. Whoever makes the best thing, we're gonna take that fan and we're gonna put them on the album. You're gonna be on a Linkin Park album. So we did, we found a guy, he was from Poland. We, we like, he made this cool electronic track out of it. And we literally took his, uh, I think we took his things. No, no, no. We gave him new things to like play around with. And then we incorporated his things into um, When They Come For Me, I think it was the song. Anyway, I might be getting pieces of this, this, this story wrong, but the intention is the same, which is like for a long time, I've realized as have all the guys that the relationship we have with our fans is unique and the ability through that relationship and the variety of platforms that we exist on allow, allow us if we're thinking creatively enough it allows us allows us the opportunity to do some really fun creative things with those fans and make mm -hmm. them make give them opportunities make them feel special let them know that we see them like that you know Music, for some people, music is just about how, many, how much attention can I get or how much money can I make? Um, I, walked in, I came into music because I loved it. I loved, loved, loved like hip-hop and rock and electronic music. I liked these different types of things, and I wanted to put them together in a way that they hadn't been put together before, or at least that was in a way that was specific to my aesthetic or my point of view. And... and so when fame came and money came and whatever, I was like, whoa, like I can have that too. Like it was all additive. It was all just like, but I'm even like right now, like I'm not paying the bills here by doing a Twitch stream. Like that's, let's be clear. It's not, you make a little money on the Twitch stream. That's not enough to pay the bills in this studio. Yeah. So it's not about, I'm spending money doing this and i love it it's fun is there like again when i'm thinking back to that 2004 ep that you guys made in three four days 
and now with Twitch, you're making music as it comes. Does it seem, I guess what I'm saying is, does it seem as forward thinking as a lot of people would think it is, given that you made a Grammy winning EP in four days, 16 well, the, years ago? <laughs> the difference is, so the difference is redefining what is, what's your, what do you, what is the experience? Is the experience a, a streamed audio track? Is, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you talk to a music industry person, they'll say, yeah, we sell songs. We sell albums and songs by artists. And those come in the form of MP4s, MP3s, you know, uh, streaming, um, uh, files streamed via your favorite, you know, platform. So Spotify or YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever. And I think that things like TikTok, and Instagram and Snapchat changed the game in the sense that, like, let's just talk about TikTok and Instagram Reels. Those, you are blowing up not just clips of songs that can be popularized. So not just the latest um, Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B and you know, choose your favorite like with two chains and, and, and Travis Scott, not just blowing those songs up, which can be consumed in the traditional way. Those are traditional. You're also blowing up in some cases, clips of audio that somebody recorded on their phone. Like if you and I were at the pool right now and you did, and I'm filming you, I'm like putting a, I'm ready to put something on TikTok, and you're going to do a dance. And we film it and I capture the audio of you doing something like you trip, you stub your toe, you fall in the pool and then a meteor falls on you. Okay. <laughs> and everybody goes, Oh my God, like fast. <laughs> and you lived and you lived. Good. Okay. Great. Okay. The, I promise you that that video would go viral. Right. And then the audio of that, the way TikTok works and reels is the audio of that then can be used for somebody else to recreate that scenario mm. with their own twist, right? It doesn't have to be a song. So all of a sudden you've made an audio clip viral in a way that's non-song related. And I think that's fascinating to me. Mm. Like the, the evolution of the meme has gone from, oh, it's a picture with funny words on it to now it's like, it's a real, it's an actual audio clip. So do you know who Sarah Cooper is? Yeah, of course, the uh, comedian. Trump person? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what does she do? She reenacts the audio clip of Trump. So mm. she's taking the audio clip and she's just doing her own spin on it. And that's exactly what I'm saying is like, you can have a piece of audio that's, that, that let's pretend it's not music. It's not her. It's not Trump talking rather. Um, you can have an audio clip that's a musical clip and then other people can take that and make a new like give it a new life. I think that there's these weird new possibilities for what makes what's important in, in the world of music and audio and technology and, and social media. If that, I don't know, this was a very rambling thought, but it's something that's un it's not formed all the way in my head. But when I say that I'm in this weird space of like research and development, these are the types of conversations that, are so fascinating to me. Like, well, here's a stupid version, but is it possible to make a thing, like let's, you know, on, a Twitch, on Twitch or whatever, just sitting here, is it possible to make a thing that's a 15, clip, 15 second clip of music that becomes popular? Yeah. Period. period. You're used to a song, in quotes, a song, having a verse and chorus and lyrics and having like three minutes, right? But that's not necessarily, that's, that could be an old way of thinking. Like in five years, a song could be a, a 90 second thing, right? With yeah, like, but as, as a songwriter, a memorable, you, a, memorable, a memorable piece of audio that's musical, that's short. I don't know. As could a songwriter be. who writes verses and choruses and lyrics and melodies, does that not piss you off thinking that you can make these three, five, 10 minute songs, but there is, like you said, 15 seconds of a song can be used and go viral. Yeah, but the thing is, like, there's always room for, like, what they used to call, I mean, I guess some people use, still use the, um, 
the uh, well, the, the you can always whatever the norm is, you can always change the game. You could always say, okay, that's the norm now. Everyone's expecting this, so let's do the other thing. Let's do mm. that. You know, like right now, I'm noticing a lot more guitars on songs because it was like all of a sudden it was like oh nothing has a guitar in it anymore mm -hmm. like the only thing that has guitars in it is the stuff that's on the cover of metal hammer and that nobody listens to right sure. um and for the record like i like some of that stuff um but i did know but it does make me take like notice when marshmallow starts putting guitars in his songs and dominic fike shows up playing guitar and post malone is a rock star who's also a rap star who's also a pop star who's also a cartoon character i don't know he's amazing i love <laughs> i love him. he's incredible no, like, that as well and then like a band like bringing the horizon who were traditionally known for alt rock metal they're right. very much dabbling in edm now which a lot of well, a lot of old fans like hate. they're very experimental yeah. Like I love how, how like they've gone completely out of, they've completely, they've almost completely, I was going to say they're disregarded the expectations of their band, but I don't think they've disregarded them. I think they've, they've analyzed them and said, Oh, we're going to do the opposite of what they think we do, which is great. Well, fans, fans get very agitated about that. Like, did you experience that when you started Fort Minor? Did you experience it when Linkin Park started to experiment with their sound? Did fans get very, what the fuck is this? What's going every, on? And they all talk every, like that, by the way. Every single time. Everything since the beginning mm. was that. The second album got compared to the first album. Once we did that, we, I mean, we had, we, we intentionally put on the second album, we added, if you, if you go back and just listen to Hybrid Theory versus Meteora, the standout tracks in terms of evolution are on hybrid theory we did cure for the itch on meteor we did session both of those are instrumental electronic well cure for the itch is more hip-hop breakbeat like like almost like a breakdance song cure a session session off of the second album is a an, is an electronic song and then breaking the habit was intentionally made as like we 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 made that as a third single like evolutionary um cliffhanger mm. so that we would end that cycle on a song that didn't have any distorted guitars on it and people would go oh lincoln park can do no distorted guitars and 50 percent sampled drums huh and then the next album came and it was utter chaos like the ne the two albums that came next our third album was minutes midnight our fourth album was a thousand suns a thousand suns in particular for for the first couple of years that it was out the reviews on any place that you know sold or or well at that point it was all sold music any place you would go where there were reviews we had a three-star rating out of five because the reviews were only one star or five stars nobody Nobody was on the fence about what Linkin Park was doing creatively. They loved it or hated it. And still to this day, um, that's one of, I'm a thousand sons is one of my favorite records we've made. And still, and a lot of the fans feel the same. They, they, they come to, I mean, I know cause I, you know, at our shows, they would come wearing their thousand sun shirt. Mm. It must be this bittersweet moment though, because hybrid theory was as, as big and great as it was especially the diehard fans, they will now compare hybrid theory with anything else you do, which is great yeah. in one sense because hybrid theory was so great, but it's almost like there's no room to move now. Work in the hybrid theory box and that's it. Well, it, there's, here's the thing though. Hybrid theory was, was a moment in time, right? You'll never recreate that. We knew that after, like within a year or two after it, the end of that cycle, we were like, and we had to come to grips with that before we even really got into our second record. We were just putting our heads down and making our second record and proving, trying to prove like, hey, that was, at the time, the thing we had to really prove was that we did it. Like we, there was a rumor going around that we were a, a manufactured boy band. 
like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or New Kids on the Block or whatever. And no knock on those guys, but that was a that was an industry like like created a phenomenon and group. Those guys didn't like grow up at junior high school together, like making music together. That's not how yeah. that worked. Yeah. So, and we were like, we, we knew each other from high school and college. And we, you know, I was, I remember going to watch Brad, our guitarist and our, our drummer, Rob were in a band together when I was in high school, we were all in the same, well, Rob was one year younger, but I would go over to Rob's parents' house in his living room where they were all jamming. I would go, honestly, I didn't think the music was that great. I thought it was fine, but I went to watch Rob play drums. I thought he was just the best drummer. And that's when we, when I, I made a bunch of songs with my friend and I was like, oh, we got to, you know, somebody told us, you got to put a band together. That's how that worked. Next thing we know, you know, fast forward a few, like three years or so, maybe two and a half. And we're, it's hybrid theory and we're, it's huge. And we're starting to write our next record. And we realized like these people think that we were manufactured, like we need to do it again in order to prove that we did, we were the ones that did it in the first place. So that was the intention. I think that was really the intention there. Where is this idea that you're manufactured coming from? What um, the format like of some leaked video of you guys like doing an NSYNC tribute band, like where? Oh, journalism has come has changed a lot since then. So here's a thing that we that happened. It was it was all from I think it was all from uh, the UK, and the journalists out there had a really like bad habit of doing this thing where they they would start they'd start in the middle they they'd start an interview with a bunch of like softball questions to like butter you up and make you feel like they were there for with good intentions and it was all it was print right so it was recorded on a on a device handheld device and not video and they and they record it and they butter you up with these questions which they would la later leave out and the question where they'd start the interview was so it's been said that your band has been manufactured by so-and-so it's been said that in the dressing room blah, blah blah like they they would say it's been said and they were the they ones said who said it they were the only one who said it like and at one point i finally figured that out and i and it, somebody did it's been said and i said no it hasn't and they're like oh yeah yeah i was like can you where and they were like oh, 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 oh. and they did they that's literally they stammered and they tried to like just get on with the question. And I, and I was like, I, I don't believe it has been said and I don't believe that's a thing. And I also don't appreciate that you're making a thing up or you know, perpetuating this lie, which is obviously like hurtful to the band, like because sure. they want to build it up and then destroy it. Like they, they, oh, you're our favorite band, the next big thing, next big thing, and then kill that thing. Yeah. All right, well, I know we have to wrap it up. So I'm going to do a couple of speed questions because we just didn't get time to it. So first question off the bat is, I don't know if you know a website called Wikipedia. It is very factual. It is very accurate. According mm. to Wikipedia, there mm. is no status on where Fort Minor is right now. Is Fort mm. Minor over? Are you guys just on hiatus? Can we expect new Fort Minor music anytime soon? I have no idea. There's no answer. I'm, I, Fort Minor was... I. I kind of from the beginning it was like the i'm fort minor the way trent reznor is nine inch nails like nine inch nails is a group effort right but you if trent doesn't do it it's not a thing so right. like that's kind of like with fort minor i brought different people in to do different things and um had some features, some amazing features of some of my favorite. Like I still believe that one of Black Thought's best verses of all time is on right now on on the Fort Minor record, and it just happens to be on my record. Like I that would have been one of my favorite verses he's ever done, whether or not it was for for that record. Um, so there's for me there's a bit of a high bar. Like I don't I don't know if now is the I don't know I don't know why why to do Fort Minor. All right, good one. And last one, we know obviously there's you can't really make plans right now given the global pandemic. But can we says who? says who? 
the world, apparently. Can we expect Mike Shinoda back in Australia at some point? Because, I mean, this would be a scene drop frames performed live, I think, would be fucking awesome. <laughs> I think that if um, there is a... I'll tell you this. There's a fan who um, regularly tweets. Basically, the format of the tweet is day, you know, 700 and da-da-da-da-da of waiting for Mike Shinoda to announce an Australian tour. Like, Spoiler, they, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I don't remember right now who it is that does that. But um, if they're listening, they're gonna, I, hope they're, I hope they're thrilled that I see that. It's whenever, you know, tours are all about, like, like people showing up to the show. Mm. So, like, I don't I, it, show show me that people want to see a show. You know, I'm, yeah. I can only I can only guess at this point. Man, we hope to see you very soon. We hope this all ends soon. But in the meantime, your Twitch channel is amazing, and it's so good to see this album drop. Frames Volume One and Two is out right now. Mike Shinoda, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the great questions. Thanks for having me. And we'll bring you back on next week to talk all about your curtains. Thank you so much, Mike. If they're still there, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. Talk soon, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Green Room Podcast. And thank you to Mr. Mike Shinoda for coming on and having a chat. Again, the album is called Drop Frames. Volume 1 and 2 are out right now. Check it out on Spotify or wherever you get your albums, I suppose. And make sure you check out all the episodes of The Green Room on thepodcast.com.au. If you want to follow Mike Shinoda on Twitch, just hop on Google, type in Mike Shinoda Twitch. It's a goddamn treat. Own yourself some Shinoda bucks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.